Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Well, hello there, and a big special shout out to my international, national, and my local and U.S. fans and listeners. We're coming live from California. I want to thank all of you for your support and for tuning in or downloading the Transformation for Success shows each week. And for those of you who might be new listeners, the show is syndicated and it's rebroadcast on the Empowerment and Business channels on Fridays at 12 noon. And Transformation for Success is a live radio broadcast and it's immediately downloaded in podcast format for iTunes, Roku, and Stitcher. So please share with your friends and colleagues. And for those of you out there, please remember that I have a television online network, Transformation Success TV, and you can access it online via voiceamericatv.com. You can access and view the shows on your phone. You must catch The Total Woman Show, the Millennial Money Minute, and the Ana Delgadillo Show that is in Spanish and English. There are more shows coming up this month, and we'd love to have you write and give me your feedbacks and comments. Now, for the month of May, we're calling it our Trailblazer Month and showcasing guests who are trailblazers in their fields of expertise. Today in the studio, I have one such woman who has spent over 20 years in the entertainment business, and she has an established acting career working in television, film, commercials, and voiceovers for TV, radio, animation, film, and even video games. She recently guest starred on the new Shonda Rhimes show, and it's a hit show for the people, and she guest starred on a new Netflix comedy that's coming up. And last year, she appeared in the blockbuster feature film Aquaman. She has, re- she has recurred on numerous television shows such as Three Rivers, The Iconic, The West Wing, Prime Suspect, and Criminal Minds, just to name a few, because I couldn't name them all. So uh, let me welcome to the studio today the fabulous, talented, and beautiful Davika Parikh. Hello, Davika. Hello, Dr. Barbara, and hello, everybody who's listening. This is so wonderful. Welcome to the show. Now, Davika, I wanted to make sure I was pronouncing your last name correctly. Parikh. I did. It's actually Indian, so my name is actually pronounced Davika Parikh, but I say Davika Parikh because my mother was African-American. She said Davika. My dad said (laughs) Davika. I love it, but I'm so delighted to have you on the show today to share your transformational journey, and moreover, we have some things in common. Number one, you were born November 3rd. I was born November 2nd. We're not going to say what year. <laughs> the November <laughs> baby. <laughs> and we're both members of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm not excited to have you, my sister, on the show today. Zabika, 
you've had so many film and TV credits to your resume. They were just too numerous to cite. But boy, you've been busy these past few years. Um, and on a personal note, I know that, uh, and you mentioned that your father was East Indian from Bombay, India, and your mom, African-American. And you were the middle child of three girls growing up in Gatorsburg, Maryland. Now, first I want to know, what does your name mean in Sanskrit or Hindi? What does it mean? It means little, it means little goddess. Little goddess? Oh, do you think that that was aptly coined for you? <laughs> I, think, I think it should have been big goddess, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I been checked out. You're 5'6". Yeah, 5'6". And so, you, yeah, so with high heels, three inches, what would that right. make you? And I'm 5'9", tower That's over what? everyone. So, you're the big goddess. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I love it. What was it like for you growing up in Gatesburg, girl, the middle of three girls? That, that should have been real interesting. What was it, well, you know, when we, when we moved out there, because my father came to this country and got a master's um, mm-hmm. from Michigan State in electrical engineering, and he, and then he and my mom got married, and because he worked at Xerox, IBM, Honeywell, he, they transferred him a lot, okay. and then we ended up in Gaithersburg, Maryland, and when we first moved out there, it was, you know, very white. There was mm-hmm. a farm behind our house with cows. Eventually, they took the cows out and put corn, and then the corn out, and you know, build other houses. But it was it, there were only I think three. We were one of three black families in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, that was interesting. Yeah. And so, what was it like uh, growing up in high school? Because you you became real popular. I understand, Miss Popular. <laughs> I think I think I probably overcompensated for you know <laughs> being one of few black people. But I think I just I don't know. I was I was always a very active. You know, young girl had a lot of energy, always running around outside. I had that kind of energy. It was hard for me to pay attention. I think they call that ADD now, but, you know, back then, I was just really active. So I was a cheerleader, pom-pom girl. My senior year of, uh, of high school, I was, uh, I was the homecoming queen of our school. So, yeah. So I had a good, you know, it was a good experience. But it was, but it was learning to, you know, adapt to all different types of people, and it it was a mostly white area. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was chuckling because (laughs) it reminds me of uh, some other little girl I know that was growing up. (laughs) (laughs) You? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, and couldn't corral the energy. That was one of the things I was going to ask you. Have you always uh, been told you have so much energy? Yes. And yeah. did you ever try to have people try to hold you back, try to calm you down a little bit? <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think, did I? I don't think so. I, th- I think, it. you know, maybe sometimes it would get, it, what it would do is keep me from focusing. So still, even now as an adult, when I'm praying, mm-hmm. I go, okay, Lord, help me focus. <laughs> like, that's actually a thing for me, and I'm very aware of it. So... You know, like going outside, running around, hiking, running, working out, that actually helps me sort of contain that energy. Uh But yeah, I think what they called me, they just said I'm very, you know, loquacious. As a matter of fact, when I was online, my pyramid line name was Pyramid Loquacious because I talk so much. (laughs) She just just won't stop talking. (laughs) Well, one of the things I'm (laughs) chuckling because you put it to good use. Right, exactly. As an actor, it comes in handy. Right. When did you begin to dream uh, or have dreams about uh, being an actor? 
You know, I, like for me, I knew when I was really young. I said, I'm either going to be, I think like the age of seven, six or seven, I was like, I'm either going to be an actress, model, singer, dancer. And then as I got older, it really just was, you know, I knew I wanted to perform. Mm-hmm. And then I did a play when I was in Brownies, and I, I was the Wicked Witch of the West. And, um, and I literally went on stage, and when I came off stage, I forgot what I did because I was so invested in what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And so when I came up, I forgot, I forgot what happened on stage, and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, you were so good. And I was so young, but I knew it. You know, I kind of knew then, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And then as I got older... The fear, which is something that I talk about, is the fear of pursuing an acting career kicked in, especially when I was ready to go to college. And I thought, I don't know any professional act. Like, I, you know, in Maryland, and everybody in my family is educated. So, you know, my dad has a master's. My mother worked in education. My older sister has two masters. My younger sister is a tenured professor, has a Ph.D. Uh-huh. So I was the only one who wasn't really, you know, kind of leaning towards that. I just felt like I want, I want to act. But when I went to college, I was scared to study it because I thought, I don't know anybody who makes money at this, at least in uh-huh. my circle on uh-huh. the East Coast in Maryland. I just didn't know it was possible. And so I studied broadcast journalism when I went to college, and then the desire to act just never went away. I thought it would go away. It just didn't, it didn't leave. (laughs) Sometimes when it's a calling, uh, when it's a calling, uh, it doesn't leave, Davika. So, but here, here you go to college and what made you decide to major in broadcast journalism? That is a direct opposition to acting. What did you say? Well, majoring in broadcast journalism is not exactly acting, but maybe you saw it as, as a, maybe a career to segue it into was, acting. It was, a, it was a safe career. It was safer because I was like, okay, well, I'll be a reporter. My thought process, which is crazy now, that was, okay, I'll be a reporter, and then I'll slide into acting. Like, I'll just okay. slide in there because I'll already be on TV. And <laughs> it's funny, Dr. Barber, because I look back and I think when I was growing up and I was in school, like when I was in elementary school, you know, junior high, high school, whenever the teacher would make, you know, would want us to read something out loud, I always wanted to do it. I was like, me, me, me. But I felt like, oh, stop volunteering. You're always volunteering. Give somebody else a chance. Mm-hmm. I thought everybody felt like I did, like they liked reading out loud. They wanted to. So I think that was always in me. You know, it just, <laughs> and then as I got older, I realized not everybody really want, ever wanted to be an actor. Most people don't. <laughs> but um, no. but no. I was wired for it. And then when I got to college, I said, well, let me do something safe. I'll be a reporter. And then when I'm an anchor on TV, I'll sort of slide into, <laughs> slide into acting. <laughs> and one of my teachers, I went to Syracuse University, and one of my teachers said, you're so good on camera, you're so natural, you're so likable, but you're not a very good writer. And to be a reporter, you really need to be able to write. So I thought, who cares? I just want to be on TV. You know, so for me, I think it was always, it was always in me to want to do it. I just think God wired me that way. And I couldn't contain it. So. And that's so interesting, when I, too. Yeah. That's so when I graduated, yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. It was just in you. <laughs> yeah, it was in me. So when I graduated from college, I did. I I got a job. I went, moved back to Maryland, moved in with my mom again. Got a job in news, you know. And it was a great place. I was working. I just, I was just miserable. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> you know, I was, I'm in yeah. D.C., the capital of politics, best news. 
I just, and I would, everybody else would be watching CNN and I'd be watching entertainment tonight going, oh my gosh, I want to go to LA. I'm supposed to be acting. <laughs> so that was hard. That year for me was really hard. But do you, when you look back uh, and do some reflection, which I know you have, did you see that as really sort of a grooming experience for you and a learning experience? Being in the news? No, being uh, that you were miserable, you were in a miserable state. So did you, when you look back on those early years, did you see them as preparation and grooming you for what you were going to become? You know what, that's interesting. I guess I, I didn't even realize, I didn't think about it as grooming. I think my journey was, I think what I always look back on and said, it was always fear that kind of kept me from going after what I wanted. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. I think that's why I had that saying, that quote, you know, everything you ever wanted is on the other side of fear. For me, it was always fear, because I realized if I had just owned my truth, I would have been studying acting in college. Now, I might not have been mature enough to handle the work and diligence it takes to be an actor, because it's a lot of work. Uh-huh. And I don't think a lot of people realize that it's not an easy career, and it's not an easy profession, you know. Yes. The actors that you see that are really good and excelling at it, they work their behinds off like any other career. So I don't know if I would have had the focus and the be able to hang in there through the ups and downs at that stage in my life. So I think it was also maturity. Uh-huh. It was fear holding, you know, kind of holding me back. And, you know, I, I thought everybody wanted to be an actor. I said, if I tell people on the East Coast, oh, I want to be an actor, they'd go, yeah, so does everybody else. What do you really want to do? <laughs> That's what I thought the response would be. Uh-huh. But when, uh-huh. when that never left me when I graduated from college and the desire was still there and I was so unhappy working in a field I did not want to do, I was, I, I was like, I have, I literally narrowed it down. You have three choices. You either stay here and die. I mean, you know, I wasn't going to die. Like, I wasn't going to kill myself, but it felt like that. You step out and do what you want to do, or you, you know, I, I mean, I, I think there were, I guess there were two choices. And then I said, well, you, you kind of have to go for it. I think sometimes God makes you so uncomfortable where you are, uh-huh. and you're praying, praying, asking him for answers, and he's showing you you're uncomfortable because that's not where I want you to be anyway, to the point that you step out. You know, you step out of your right. comfort zone and go, I'm going for it. I got to, I have to do this. You know, as a matter of fact, when I left Maryland, I had a girlfriend of mine, she has a master's too. She's like, she said, well, how long do you think you'll be in L.A. pursuing an acting career? Like, how long do you think you're going to do that for? And I was like, I didn't have a time limit. I was like, well, how long will you be doing what you're doing? You know what I mean? My thought was, you're pursuing a career. I'm going to be pursuing a career. I don't have a timeline. It just is what it is until it isn't, right? So I didn't, I didn't give myself like, okay, you're going to be here for two years. If it doesn't work out, you're leaving. I just thought I'll do it until I don't want to do it anymore. And I don't know when that will be. That was probably a good answer. But, you know, I just want to back up just a minute to, to ask, what were you doing uh, when, you, when you did go back home to live with mom and dad and pursue a career? I just want to know, what were you doing? Where were you working? I worked in Sherlington, Virginia, which is like Arlington, Virginia, and I was working as a production secretary at a, at a one-hour news program in, um, on PBS. Mm-hmm. So okay. I assisted a producer. I was one of, yeah. And he said to me, he was like, you're really good. Everybody likes you. You're really good on the phone, but you don't seem like you really fit here. <laughs> Those weren't the actual <laughs> words used because I kept thinking, I don't. I'm so glad somebody else recognizes that. You know, it just wasn't a fit. It was like, 
you just don't seem like you really want to do this. Like, you're really good. You're trying hard. You really, people like you. But, you know what I mean? Like, I couldn't make myself fit. I just couldn't make myself fit. And then I have to, I just have to share this little story. So I was so unhappy. I just, I said, okay, Lord, I've, I really, and I pray a lot. I said, God, I really need to know what you want me to do with my life. And so I took like a night or a weekend and I went to Skyline Drive, which is um, the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia. And I sat up on this mountain, on the side of this mountain, overlooking this valley. And I just said to the Lord, I'm not leaving until you tell me what to do with my life. And I literally sat on that side of that mountain for like nine hours. I'm like, where did I go to the bathroom? I don't even remember. But I sat there (laughs) because I was so determined to hear from God about the direction of my life. Because I said, I can't do this anymore. I can't. Like, I would come home and cry every night. That's how unhappy I was with where I was in my life and not doing what I wanted to do. Well, I'm going to stop you right there. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And we're going to come back and find out what happened when she is in the mountain. Right. Okay. <laughs> we'll be right back, yes, listeners, so stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Moving forward can be difficult to do sometimes. There is always something going on. Many times, nobody else knows exactly what you're going through. If you are experiencing pain or loss, even something that is unexplained that is missing in your life, you'll want to tune into Go For It with host Joe Hausman. Joe and her guests will show you laughter and love. Sometimes you just need something a little positive in your week. Make that spot Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Redson. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at one 888 346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, welcome back to my show today with Mr. Vika Parikh, who's talking about reaching her dreams, learning everything you ever wanted is on the other side of fear. So when we went to break, Tavika was talking about going to the side of the mountain and having a prayer meeting. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> You're having a prayer meeting with God. Well, tell us, why did you choose uh, this mountain, going to a mountaintop experience? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to the Blue Ridge Mountains because that's where my dad used to take us to go camping. So we grew up camping. Like, we had a tent. We had all of that. So I I was just, you know, familiar with that place. It was beautiful. 
and I needed to, I like mountains, I like trees, so I just went there because I knew I could be peaceful and be still. Good. So what happened? So I sat there on the side of that mountain and I said, Lord, I'm not leaving until you tell me what to do with my life. And I really was down to the wire, like sometimes you get so desperate that you just go, I just, I wasn't leaving until I knew, until I had a game plan. So I, I sat there all day and I wrote three or four plans for my life. And one of them was, you have an uncle in L.A. You want to act. Why not? And you have a week of vacation left. And this is how good God was. It was literally, dur- my birthday week was coming up and I had a week of vacation. And so I thought, why don't you go out to L.A.? and see if you can get a job. And by that point, that was like my fourth or fifth plan I had written on the side of the mountain. I said, if I, you know, I'm going to go out to L.A., I'm going to interview. I started sending out resumes after I left the mountain, started sending out resumes, making phone calls to L.A. after, you know, after I got off work um, in, you know, in Maryland. Mm-hmm. And I would just start calling to line stuff up for myself. And then maybe two months after that little meeting with the Lord on the side of the mountain, I flew out to L.A., rented a car, stayed with my aunt and uncle, in Granada Hills, and literally went to, like, all the studios to see if I could get a job. By the end of the week, there was a, NBC wanted to hire me, but I didn't know that yet. After I flew back to Maryland, they called me and they said, we have an opening in our page program. We want you to start working December 13th. It was, like, a month or two away. And I literally just broke down in tears and went, oh, my God, God is real. Because oh, yes. he made a way for me. I need, I, but I had determined, too. I said, if I don't get a job in L.A. when I go out there, at the top of this year, I'm move, at the top of next year, I'm moving out with the $500 I have in my pocket. I just was that determined to leave. So when I left the mountain, I, I had decided I'm, I'm, I'm going to go for acting. I'm going to move to L.A. I need to put myself in an environment where it's okay to pursue acting. Um, and this was the entertainment capital. You know, in Maryland, it's hard to say, oh, I'm going to be a professional actor. It's like, yeah, right. What do you really want to do? So I needed to be in the environment. Well, that was good. That was a good move. But I want to just back up a bit. And with your vision, did you see yourself um, acting in movies or on television? What vision did you really have? Did you have one where you actually saw yourself on stage? What That's did you see yourself question. in? Um, I actually, and this is going to sound so bizarre, but I'm going to share it. Mm-hmm. I was in Maryland at my mom's, you know, just washing my hair in the shower, and all of a sudden I saw a vision of myself standing in front of a group of people sharing about my acting career, and I was in a white suit. And I remember I literally said out, out of my mouth, and I wasn't even praying about it. I was just washing my hair, just, you know, mm-hmm. singing, whatever. And all of a sudden I had this vision of myself talking to people about acting. And I remember saying, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be a professional actor. I'm going to be a pro- and, and I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's, but it's real. I mm-hmm. knew God gave me a vision of that. You know, I had no idea how that was going to happen. And then one time driving down the highway in Maryland, and my boyfriend was sitting in the passenger seat I was driving, I all of a sudden had a vision of the 134 freeway in, in L.A., and it had mm-hmm. palm trees, and I went, oh, my gosh, I'm supposed to be in L.A. I literally said that out of my mouth, and he said, you just need to go and, you know, get that out of your system. That's what he thought it was. You need to get it out of your system. <laughs> so God was showing me, uh, this is where you're going. I had no idea how it was going to happen, and I was still terrified. It's, so it's he, sort of interesting that you saw sort of the ending before the beginning. The ending meaning yeah. you saw yourself sharing before an audience in a white suit talking about a professional career in acting. So you actually yep. saw the ending. <laughs> 
Yeah. And, and, you know, also growing up, I was doing theater on the side. Like, I always did church theater. Like I said, I started, you know, did brownies. I always played with, you know, like doing different characters in the basement of my house. Me and my sister would do all these different accents and do long scenes. And, you know, so I was always doing it. It was always in me, you know, but pursuing it professionally was a, a whole different thing. And I didn't know how to do that. Now, I have a quick, uh, a pr- probably a strange question. Um, in pursuing an acting career for you, did you have to take acting classes? Because you mentioned how you were doing this role playing and all of this while you were a youngster. But did you have to um, do a little bit of finishing, like taking acting classes or so? Definitely, definitely. Okay. The one thing I would say if I had gone back, because I even considered after I moved out here going back and getting a master's in acting, you have to study it. It's, it's literally like I always say this to people pursuing it. You know, doctors will take 15 years to become doctors. They study it. They study it. They put everything behind it. Some actors make more money than doctors. Why would you think you have to study any less than that? Do you know what I'm saying? Like to to be really at the top of your game and do it the way Viola Davis and, you know, um, Denzel Washington, they work their behinds off to be as good as they are. Most of them have gone to professional acting schools. Mm -hmm. When you come out to L.A., New York, wherever, you're competing against the top actors in the world. So, yeah, I came out here and I started doing, I hit the ground running. I started doing theater. You know, and a lot of it was bad theater. I wasn't getting paid for it. I started Mm -hmm. doing improv. I started taking classes because I didn't know how to do the profession of acting. And along the way, I was studying the business as well. But, yeah, I was like, I have to get good at this. And my advice to all actors, if you want to be in this business, is study the the business of acting, the craft of acting, and get good. Because if you're good, people are going to hire you, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things, too, um, that I, I have discovered uh, about acting and about being in movies and television, it's the memorization. It's like the, the lawyer has to have to go into become a lawyer. You have to be very good at memorization because even to take the bar, you have to remember uh, and cite the law and the year and the person who argued the case, so to speak. Uh, so does memorization? memory come into play with acting because you've got to memorize lines definitely and i do i worked you know when i was on the west wing because aaron sorkin is such a brilliant writer but he would write long passages because he came Mm -hmm. from the theater world Mm -hmm. and he and so but he would have these you know amazing monologues and one of the actors on there john spencer you know rest his soul he passed but he was such mm-hmm. a brilliant actor, and I asked him, like, how do you memorize all those lines? Because I was a, a recurring, you know, co-star on there. Mm-hmm. And he just said, you know, your brain is a muscle. So the more you use it, the easier it is to memorize. So memorization is part of it. As an actor, you want to really understand the material mm-hmm. so you know why you're saying what you're saying. And it makes it you know, easier to memorize it. When you do have mm-hmm. to get those words very specifically, you do have to memorize but you don't want to start with memorizing. You want to start with understanding. Why am mm-hmm. I saying this? What is this scene about? Why am I even saying these words to this person? Because when you're having a conversation, you're listening and responding. And so that's now, what acting is. It's listening, responding, and then, yes, eventually you, do, you really do have to know those lines. Theater is great for that. Because the more do, you do it, the, quicker you, it, the easier and quicker it is to memorize. But, yeah, I think it's scary for all actors to memorize. <laughs> 
I have a question about that. Do you, you know, you have to uh, understand, as you said, you have to understand the lines. What does it mean? Do you ever, uh, or did you ever have an opportunity to say, well, why can't we do it this way? Or to actually give your opinion? (laughs) Or is that even, you know, the sacred territory you don't dare cross? I think with most, you know, when you're doing theater, I think it's always collaboration. You know, you okay. always give the director, obviously, if you come on as a guest star, co-star, you're pretty much there to help facilitate that storyline. If okay. you have a thought about something or a suggestion, you might go to the director on the side and say, hey, I was wondering if I could try this or do mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they want you to bring the character, the story, the script to life. If it makes it better, then they'll say, you know what, try it. Let's try it. Let's try it that way. Theater, a lot of times, is very collaborative. So I think, yes, I think you, but you always want to give the director the respect because they have done the work on their part to say, this is how I want this story told. This is the visual. This is where this happens. And and ultimately, they have the the authority to say, this is what it's going to be, you know, because they're they're leading that ship. But as an actor, I think it's always a collaboration, but you do it in a respectful way. Now, one of the things about acting and and being in movies, and I'm going to ask you this question, because one of the things that led to uh, understanding more about your craft is that what happens uh, if you have, uh, you miss a line or you're taking retakes, right? Mm -hmm. Do you have a limit of how many retakes you're going to (laughs) do? If you're coming on as a guest star, co-star, or whatever, you want to do as few as possible. <laughs> okay. if, if you're the one messing up, you really want to not make them do that a lot because it costs money. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That costs money. So they, that's why, you know, when I'm saying you have to study your craft because when you get on the set, there's so many distractions. It becomes very nerve-wracking, especially if you're not used to being in that environment. And you have to be able to focus and say what you have to say with the intention that you're saying it. And you don't want to cost that show money because <laughs> they're not going to bring you back. <laughs> they're like, that girl couldn't get her lines out. And that's happened to me. Honestly, it's happened to me. I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's terrifying, you know, but everybody's like, oh, it happens to everybody, whatever. You know, because you're not perfect. You're not a cookie cutter. But, you know, your nerves get in it. You're trying to say what you have to say. But, yeah, they want people who are professional and trained because when it comes up to it, they've got thousands and thousands of dollars on the line, and they don't want you costing them more money than what that show was already costing. They want you to be able to hit your mark, say what you got to say, and do the job. Now, on your transformational journey, uh, becoming an actor, how did you pursue getting an agent? Because that's always a big number one question. And how do you know you got the right agent? But that's you had the biggest agent of question. all. You had G.O.D. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a real, that's a huge question. And um, in a lot of those beginning acting books that I read, and I would encourage any new actor to read about the craft before you even get in the field. Like, really study it, and I'll give you some books that I think are really helpful, but you, you know, you have to, you know, you need to, there's steps that you take to become a professional actor and be taken seriously, and one of them is, you know, getting in the union. One of them is getting real representation, and by the way, you never want to give an agent money up front. Real agents don't take money up front. They take 10% of what you make after you book a job, so they're basically working for you for free, getting you on auditions before they ever get to see a penny from you. Um, but you, you, there's books that you can get that will give you a list of agents out in L.A. They're also you know, published online. 
the different agencies that are out here, but you literally have to send them headshots. Back when I was doing it, we had black and white headshots. We were going door to door, dropping off a card with a note with a headshot saying, hey, I really want to, you know, would love to work with you or doing mail-ins. Now I think people probably do a lot of stuff online and send their information in, but they're different agencies. I've always had different agents for different things. I have a TV and film agent. Um, I have a a commercial agent, and then I have a voiceover agent. Okay. So you have agents for all those. That's good to know because I think uh, a lot of uh, people, and maybe for those who are out there listening who may be thinking, I want to be an actor, or maybe that's been in your you know, your little plan. And these are tips that really help. And that's what I wanted you to, you know, share about spark, what sparked your career in acting and what are some of the things that people don't really get a chance to see. And I call it the backdraft story. <laughs> and so you're, right. giving some, you're giving some really good information for people who might be thinking about it. And then, of course, then you're illuminating the audiences, the listeners out there, the other side of what looks so glamorous and everybody, you know, sees you looking glamorous. There's another side. One of the things um, to to get into so many roles, because you've been in, I mean, I couldn't even go down the list, Davika. I mean, it's just, <laughs> Davika, <laughs> it's been so <laughs> many. <laughs> and then you have other credits, uh, which are commercial credits. So do you feel that this is uh, in part with your your abilities, and then your agents who are, who are working diligently for you, and probably because you're so talented, too. So what do you see as your greatest accomplishment? Thank you. I think, I think um, uh, let me just say this, too. One more thing mm-hmm. I just wanted to say about the agency. The, Please. And, you know, there's also managers. They do kind of different things, but they work together. Because of the Internet, the mm-hmm. playing field is much more open for actors who don't have agents. Okay. Because now you can self-submit on different websites like Actors Access and Casting Network. There is an opportunity to still work without, an, you know, without professional without representation. But the mm-hmm. best, you know, the better jobs, you know, you'll know about those. Those come through really having an advocate and having people that are representing you. Okay. That's what I was going to say about that. Um, but, and then your question was about the career part what do you see as your greatest accomplishment? I think staying in the business. I think being able to maintain a career because it's, mm-hmm. it's a hard business mm-hmm. and there's so many ups and downs and you have good years, you have bad years. You could have been a series regular for a couple of years and made all this money and then the next you know, year or two years after that, you're, you're still trying to find work. It, you've, you know, there's always that, you know, how do you make this make sense? How do you stay in this business Live, you know, and for me now, because I'm older than I was, obviously, you know, mm-hmm, years ago, mm-hmm. how do you have a good quality of life while you're doing it? And, how do you, and as I got older, I, I thought I want balance. I don't want my whole life to be just about my acting. I really need to live. So it's about how to ride the, the good times and the bad times. And, and how, how, did you, you, how did you find it for yourself? Because I see it as sustainability and then... Uh, coupling that with a quality of life, life work balance, I call it. Yes. So right. how were you able to accomplish that? Um, and I've had bad times. You know, I mm-hmm. tried to always. Th- one thing that I did, Doctor Barber, that really helped me mm-hmm. is I paid off all my debt. It was like when I first got in the business. As soon as I made, you know, I had like a couple of commercials running. 
I had student loan debt. I was living in a very inexpensive apartment with a roommate. I always lived below my means because okay. my, my father was a financial planner the second half of his life, and they always, he drilled into us not to have credit card debt. And then one of the best books that I read like in the 90s, was this little tiny spiritual book about finances. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget in that little pamphlet, that guy said, you know, the, the cheapest car you'll ever own is the one you're driving. And he said, and if you can't pay cash for your car, you can't afford that car. So <laughs> I literally went, oh, well, I'm not going <laughs> to buy a new car until I have cash, enough cash, and then have money in the bank. And financial planners always tell you, always have a couple of months worth of savings yes. saved up in case stuff goes sideways, and there's always emergency funds. So I think one of the smartest things I did, and this is from the teaching of my parents, I paid off all my debt as soon as I had a lump sum of money so I could live debt-free. Okay. From there, I never stopped working a side job. Even when I had multiple commercials running, I, had, I was co-starring on different TV shows. People would see me on TV, and I'd be, you know, catering. I would be doing other stuff because I always wanted multiple streams of income, so I didn't have to go into my savings. It was only after I was at a party and this woman said, I was picking up trash. I was catering. I was picking up trash. And the woman said, oh, Devika, I just saw your TV show, some show I was toasty I'd been on or whatever. Uh-huh. And I said, oh, great. And then she just looked at me and went, so you're here, huh? And I said, does it look bad? And she said, well, I think you're a little beyond this now. And I think that's when I started going, okay. When I have a certain amount of money coming in for my acting, all my debt was paid off. I had a, a certain amount of money saved. That's when I let the side jobs go. It was only when it was my on-camera career was conflicting with working another job. That's the only time I let it go. Everybody's story is different, but I've always been, even though I'm artistic, I'm really practical. And I knew I, never, I didn't want to be struggling financially. And I always tell actors, like, my roommate and I, when we first started, always used to say, oh, we're starving artists, we're struggling actors. And I realized early on, stop saying that. Because what you're putting out in the atmosphere is what you're getting. That's I right. don't want to be a starving artist. I don't want to be a struggling mm-hmm. actor. Mm-hmm. I want to be a working actor, and I want to be smart about it. That's what I started saying to myself. I'm, a working, I'm working towards working as an actor, or I stopped claiming the starving artist, struggling actor, because those are words that you give energy behind. Absolutely. You don't want to put that out there. And then I thought to myself, and you're smart enough to get another job if you can't make money acting. You're too smart not to, not to have a job. You're too smart not to afford a life that you, that you like. So and keep working that, at whatever door God opens for you, you yes. know? And with that, I'm going to take a quick break right now. We've got to leave for a quick commercial break. But listeners, we're going to be right back with another portion of the story of Mr. Vika Parikh. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world. And that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. If you've always wanted to take the lead in your life, but you don't believe you are a leader, then it's time to change that mindset. Leadership expert Linda Patton will help you discover the powerful leader that lives within and teach you the leadership skills that will transform your business and your life. Stepping into your leadership brings reality to your vision, and leadership can be learned. Find out more on Leadership Stars. 
every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hello and welcome back to my guest, Miss Zafika Parikh, and we are learning a lot from her story, and I hope you're tuned in for the rest, because look, we're learning everything you ever wanted to know is on the other side of fear, and Davika, you have absolutely had a tremendous career with over 20 years in the entertainment business, and you know, I want to give kudos to you, girl, because I tell you, you talk about sustainability, you've had it, and staying in this business for for over 20 years, for 20 years, let me tell you, that's saying something, which we were talking about, too, how a lot of this and what I could glean from what you were saying before we went on break is that a part of your sustainability was also your ability to be able to manage your finances and to be able to use values that were inculcated in you when you were a child and how that has probably helped you um, maintain that sustainability and financial acumen as well. So what were some, when you talk about everything you ever wanted is on the other side of fear, was that you were able to conquer your fear of not doing what you felt in your belly. I usually call it the fire in your belly that you mm-hmm. really want want to do. You were driven, so to speak, to become an actress. So your passion now is to help young actors and actresses on how to approach their dreams and their stardom. So what would you say was your most successful and or maybe gratifying moment of your journey or moments of your journey? And how would you translate that to helping young actors and actresses who want to approach their dreams? You know, it's funny. I think the thing that gives me the most joy is the fact that God's allowed me to do this this long, Mm -hmm. has given me a level of consistency in something that's hard and scary to pursue and be able to share Mm -hmm. my story with people. That, That kind of honestly is one of one of my most gratifying things when I li- when people literally go oh how did you do it and they value <laughs> what I say because mm-hmm. I go oh this is so cool. I'm in a position of being able to pour back into now and so that's very gratifying for me um, being able to met you know just mentor even loosely where people ask me questions when friends you know friends of mine that are trying to pursue a career come to me for advice mm-hmm. that literally is my most gratifying moment outside of doing the work and. You know, because the work is the work, and it's always, you know, it's it's work, but it's hard, but it's gratifying. But I like I, the fact that God has a, given me a platform, like I being able to share this. Mm-hmm. You know, those things that really helped me to those those are pinpoint turning moments. Like when I told myself, "You're not you're not a starving artist. You're not a struggling actress. You are I'm pursuing an acting that. career." Yeah. <laughs> You know, you want to, and then saying to myself, I really want to be financially stable. I want to be a working actor. How do I do this? 
and knowing that there are multiple ways that you can make money in this business, whether it's voiceovers, commercials, TV and film, you know, print modeling, um, Mm -hmm. animation, video games. Like there's multiple ways that you can make money and not limiting yourself on how you do that. And then seeing, doing what you do and do it to the best of your ability and then seeing what doors God opens for you. I think it's wonderful. I mean, I really <clears throat> know that people are really gleaning a lot of this uh, from what you're saying. And, and I just uh, didn't want to overlook the fact that before we went on break, you were talking about words. We talked about financial acumen and uh, that sustainability, but also the words that you say. You did not want to be a struggling actor and you didn't use those words. So the power of words, positive words, uh, was a factor that, that you shared. And so I wanted to make sure I clarified that. Yes. Um, I've got a little side funny question. You know, mm-hmm. out of all of the people that you met on set, who was the one that was the most interesting character that you met or actor? <laughs> who was the most? Oh, gosh. Who would it be? Well, maybe you could name a few. I don't know. Because, you know, I would think, you know, <laughs> who would be the person that you went, aha, oh, my God, I'm going to set with this person. Was it something like that ever? Um, you know, I just, I would think, I don't know if there was one person in particular. I loved working with Will Smith, but I knew Will Smith from when I was in college, and he was still a rapper. So to see where his, he was like an inspiration <laughs> That's like somebody you knew. Here, right, I knew him before he got on his TV show, and to see the level, and he's one of the hardest working people that I think I know about. Like, so to know him sort of personally, and then to see who he is in the media and how he handles his career is really impressive to me. So he was somebody that I sort of always sort of looked to when I came out here to go, all right, if he's doing this, let me try to pattern his, his work ethic. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what I would do. Okay. I, would look at, you know, I would look at people like Oprah Winfrey who broke all kinds of barriers and go, okay, if she can do that, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Because we put up all these limits, and then Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, I literally, and these aren't people that I necessarily, I worked with Will, I met Oprah and was on her show once. But I think their level of attaining success was always, was always encouraging to me, and I had to remind myself that those are the people out there that you want to look at to encourage yourself when you feel like it's not possible. Mm-hmm. Because they've done stuff that you look at and go, this looks impossible. But I loved every moment on The West Wing, because mm-hmm. I worked with the top of the line director, and I had only done comedy up until then. And then when Aaron, when they hired me to be on The West Wing, it was a one-hour drama, and it was, you know, a critically acclaimed show, top of the line. Yes, that level of excellence was so Im- was so inspiring to me. So working with people like Martin Sheen and Allison Janney, and you know Rob Lowe and Bradley Whitford, and um, you know all these award winning Aaron Sorkin, the award winning Martin Sheen, John. You know, John Spencer, it, they, were, they were amazing actors and amazing writers and directors and producers. That was always a big, it was like going to Harvard for acting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looks like we have a caller. Uh, let's oh. bring him on. The caller. All right. From Tony from California. Oh, hello. Uh, hi, Tony. This is Dr. Barbara Do you have a question for Davika? Hi, Tony. Well, I do. Hi, how are you? How are you? Congratulations on your career. I, I've seen you on the West Wing and a couple of other things, and, and I, I enjoy your work. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> okay, Do you have great. a, well, a question for her? <laughs> yeah, my, my question is this. As I'm an older gentleman, and I'm pretty 
successful in my career. Now, what I decided to do was take a leap of faith. And so um, I have my reserve, and I heard you talking about that earlier. And now I'm getting into acting. I just started taking acting courses. And, and I'm in my mid-50s. So you think that, you think that that's too late to actually make this, this switch or change? Or how long would you suggest that I pursue this before I decide maybe I started a little too late? Is it too late to do this? I don't think, well, I think Dr. Barbara probably has a great answer for that, too. I don't think it's ever too late. Because, you know, and you know this, Tony, in this business, they need actors of all ages. Yes. The fact that you're hungry to do something else, I think, is awesome. I love that you're taking an acting class. Love that you have another career. Don't give up your day job. Keep, you know, keep working your financial plan. You know, keep your pension. Don't go into your IRA to pay for your acting classes. And then study it at night and do, you know, you have some flexibility because you're not starving, you're not desperate, you have finances, you have a life. So you can pursue it with a level of, I'm doing this because I enjoy it, and do it as much as, as long as you want to, you know, and I think, and then give it 100%. This is one thing I learned, too, because in my career, I used to always question things like, why am I doing this? And I realized I wasted so much time not giving 100% wherever I was. Mm-hmm. So as I got older, I realized wherever you are, give it 100%. If you're in an acting class for, for however long you're in there, give it as much as you can give it, 100%. So you can benefit from it. And when you move on, you got everything you needed from that season of life. So I think you do 100% of what you can give to it. Take it seriously. Read every book on it. There's some really great books about the, you know, the business end of acting, and there's some really great acting books, and I'll mention those, but um, I think study everything, get into a class, enjoy the process, ask as many questions as you can, you know, go online and watch those YouTube videos from the SAG Foundation that have everything. They're so excellent. It's the biggest resource for me, and I think it should be for every actor. Um, but those kind of things. And then just play and have and enjoy the process. And okay, you'll know Tony, whether you're you got your answer? Mm-hmm. Tony, well, are you there? Yes, I'm here. I'm here. And how old did you say you were? I, I am 55. And here's a kind of a follow-up. Should the, should I give myself a time limit? Let's say I'm going to pursue this until I'm 60. I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to wait a year until I get. I don't get an acting role within a year. Then maybe I'm, I should do something else. When Tony, began, can I say this? this? Uh, yeah. I know your question was to Davika. But you probably are not aware of this, but you can go on my website and you can collaborate or look at that. I am 81, sir. 81. Woo-hoo! And I have radio and television. I'm looking at your picture right now. Really? Right now, (laughs) I am 81. I will be 82 November 2nd. So what I would say to you is don't put a time limit. Just give 100% of what you do and let God do the rest. Don't put an age limit on yourself. Open yourself up, learn your craft, and see what happens. Yep. Wow. Thank you. And go after it professionally. Yeah. Yeah. And just do the work of an actor. You know, if you get headshots, don't take those headshots until you watch a video on what they look for. It'll save you so much money and effort, you know, to just... Look at you know those those professional videos online on SAG Foundation. I just can't I can't rave about them enough. I still look at those videos to to learn how to do certain things in my career. 
because they come from professionals and their panels that SAG, the SAG Foundation puts on, and they're excellent. And you just save yourself time and money. But whatever you're doing, put 100% into it and spend the time. It's like being in pre-production for your and, career. And it's thank you so much taking. for calling. We've got just only a few more minutes. We've got to close up the show. But, Tony, hey, Tony, thank you for calling. And if you'd like to write me for any more questions, info at transformationforsuccess.com. Info at transformationforsuccess.com. And thank you for calling. We only have a couple of more minutes, Davika. Oh, I just, this was just getting so good. But one of the things I want to just sort of say thank you, thank you, thank you, and sort of conclude that you talked about getting good, study your craft, give it 100%. You just said, focus, having a plan through goal setting, being financially stable, and getting out of debt. And most importantly, the power of positive words. Say positively, I will be an actor. I will not be in debt. And faith and prayer was Mm -hmm. key. That is undergirding all of what she said today. So I just want to thank you, Davika. We got to have you on part two. (laughs) I know. That went so fast. (laughs) It went fast. But you have been such a lovely guest. And I just want to, listeners, leave you with this, that Soledad O'Brien said this, and I quote, fear limits you and your vision. And it serves as blinders to what may be just a few steps down the road for you. But the journey is valuable. Believe in your talents, your abilities, and your self-worth, because these can empower you to walk down an ever brighter path of transforming fear into freedom. And how great is that? So until next Tuesday, we're going to have another interesting guest. But today, I just want to say thank you, Devika. Parikh, it has been wonderful. You are wonderful. We got to go back for part two. And I'm going to talk to you offline because I got an offer for you. So this is Dr. B signing off, and I want you all to have a blessed week. Thank you for tuning in to the Transformation for Success show today. Bye-bye. We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for our replay every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have an outstanding week.